there, Emerald listeners. I'm Megan Fitzpatrick, and I'm here with another episode of How It's Reported. Today, I'm here with James Croxton, which isn't your first time on the podcast, so welcome back. How are you? I'm doing good. A little bit tired. It's been a long weekend of protest reporting, but here to do my job. So um, can you introduce yourself just to remind everybody who you are? Yeah, my name is James Croxton. I am a arts and culture reporter by trade with the LA Emerald. And I am now a news reporter on the protest beat. So yeah, today's going to be a little bit different. Um, instead of reporting on one single story that James has written, um, we're going to rack his brain about being a reporter covering anti-racist protests during this time. So when did you first start covering protests? And what has your experience been like? So on May 29th, a month ago, I was getting ready to go to bed and I just happened to see on Twitter that Donnie Morrison, the former managing editor of the Daily Emerald, was on the scene of what looked like a bonfire in the middle of an intersection downtown. Naturally, I went out there to see what was going on. And I got there and there was nothing, I mean, there was a big bonfire with dumpsters that were taken from behind the Five Guys and Jimmy John's and the Jiffy Little across the street and all the road signs were in a pile. Everything was on fire. When they ran out of dumpsters, they started using oil drums from Jiffy Lube, which I thought was an interesting choice. That could have gone real south. And it was a relatively peaceful protest, just, just a fire, mostly lots of chanting, music, and all of a sudden, about 10 feet away from me, behind me, somebody with the skateboard smashed the window of Five Guys, which set off the now infamous riot of Eugene, Oregon. And we got tear gassed from about a block and a half away. That was a first for me. And after that night, I just kind of it reaffirmed that I had chosen the right career path. I'll, I'll, I can just leave it at that. And after, so, so, the, so then after that, I just kind of made it a point to stick with the protest reporting. And how is it reporting on a scene that is so chaotic with, you know, police and people obviously who are such high emotion? How do you um, approach that? with an unbiased and journalistic approach? Lots of running around and not being in one place. You don't necessarily want either side to think that you are with the other. And so you just kind of move around as fluidly as possible, which is when things can get hairy because at at the same time, you know, we're being tear gassed were being shot at with riot projectiles and so on and so forth. And ultimately, it's just about reporting what's going on, you know, reporting the truth. We're going down these streets. This is what's happening and not to take any sides. And you're very active on social media when you're at the protests, specifically on Twitter, uh, where you're live tweeting what's happening. Um, why do you think that's so important to do? One, I think it's important to do because with the uh, number of protests that are happening on a 
daily basis now at this point here in the Eugene area, we can't feasibly put out a full length article for every single protest. But what we can do is have somebody out there live tweeting it as it happens for our Twitter followers, whether it's my personal Twitter followers or the Daily Emeralds followers, because everything's linked and people can see what's going on. We're not going to put an article out in specific for it. And another reason is I've spoken through direct messages and comments with people who have wanted greatly to come out and what be in the protest, spectate, whatever, and they can't due to health restrictions, disabilities, work, a myriad of reasons. And they appreciate both what the media is doing especially the live tweeting and especially the live streamers within the actual protests and it gives people a way to be involved and feel like they're really there be present yeah um kind of jumping back to obviously the emerald specifically which we both work for um and what has the emerald done to ensure that you know us journalists are giving, you know, trustworthy accounts when talking about these protests. Okay, so in January of this year, our current summer editor-in-chief and coordinator of equity and inclusion, C. Francis O'Leary, developed what was called the Emerald Trust Project. And it is very important not only to this protest reporting but to the daily emeralds reporting at large and in that we do a number of things to help foster trust within the community we do reporter tablings in the emu when the emu is open we have uh, increased our transparency in our reporting we will include the manner in which we received our information when we can we do a Meet the Daily Emerald once a term, and that allows the public to come into the Daily Emerald office, see where we do our work, meet us. Right now, that's on hold. And then this podcast itself is not a product of the Emerald Trust Project, but works in tandem in that this here allows them to be able to talk about how they do the reporting. In regards to the specific protest reporting, the Emerald Editorial Board, which I was a part of, came together. I think it was, so May 31st was the Black Lives Matter protest in Eugene that attracted, I believe, close to 10,000 people, if not 10,000. It was very, very large. And Within those few days, we came together, I think it was like 12 or 13 of us, and we put together the editorial board's editorial on how we were going to go forward with our protest reporting. And the, there was a list of bullet points as to what the Emerald commits to doing. And to highlight a few, these are them. One is to conduct a rigorous census of the newsroom and publish the results during fall term. This will be happening at some point within the next few months. 
we will use the word racist in our reporting and we will avoid ambiguous phrases such as racially charged, racially tinged, and racially laced. We will fact check police sources as thoroughly as any other source. We will use our platform to amplify black and brown voices in demanding change from the UO and the city of Eugene. And we will create a style guide for covering protests in a more responsible way. And that's something that is ongoing as we gain experience throughout the next few weeks to months. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, not to self-gratify the place where we work, but I think the Emerald has done a very good job of being transparent with the people who consume the news, consume the news that we produce, um, because transparency is the most important part of being a trusted publication. And um, what I'm sure will be on that style guide is um, how to deal with interactions with both the people and the police. So um, from your experience, what has your relationship been with the police specifically as a journalist with a press pass? On Friday, when we had an interaction with the protesters and the police downtown after they'd already left their march in Thurston, it was quite chaotic. And Jack Forrest, one of our colleagues at the Daily Emerald, here at the Daily Emerald, was shoved almost to the ground by a Springfield police officer. I had my badge up many times thinking I was next. They got really close to me. And I, they just yell, I don't care. I don't care. That's all I heard. I, I don't care. And so I would quickly run back to the sidewalk. And Springfield police ended up arresting a single protester that night. And it wasn't even a protester. It was a homeless man just sitting on the sidewalk. But because his feet were on the road, they arrested him. Wow. Um, but now focusing more on the protesters, um, you know, they're disrupting their everyday lives to be there um, for the BLM movement, which obviously means they're feeling very passionate about it. But as a journalist, what precautions do you have to take, um, you know, whether it be not recording faces or citing full names in the story? You know, how do you still create good journalistic work when you can't directly cite sources like we've been taught our whole you know, academic life, professional life, whatever you want to call it? It's a very important question. So as a part of the Emerald Trust Project and discussions that we on the protest beat have discussed, we will always take into consideration whatever the leaders of these groups want or do not want us to do. Black unity is typically okay with the press and taking photographs and video and, and all that. But on the other hand, you have BIPOC Liberation Collective and they are very strict on a no camera policy, no photos, no video. And we will respect that. And that's when during my tweet thread, I will usually put it in between some asterisks and say, I'm not gonna have any media from here on out. But for the most part, I do try to make it a point to not get 
pictures of protesters' faces. The leaders, they're in the public eye, they're on social media, they're gonna get photographed anyways. So I worry less about them. Definitely, I always avoid children. That's a key thing. But very, very important for these protests and protest reporting and ensuring that we in the press are, as we are reporting on what is happening, we are also maintaining some sort of safety. We will not at the Daily Emerald, if we can help it, Sometimes I do catch myself and I'll delete the tweet immediately after or, uh, or an hour after when I finally am going through my, my thread. But license plates. You know, the last three weeks, it's mostly been me trying my absolute hardest to avoid license plates, doing my best to not dox somebody or do something horrific like that that was completely unintentional. We don't intend to do anything that's going to get somebody ID'd or so on. We're just there to report on what's going on and just be factual. Okay, Emerald listeners, unfortunately, the end of this interview got cut off due to technical difficulties, a side effect of recording a podcast in two different places. But we just wanted to say a huge thank you to James Croxton for taking time out of his day to come talk to me. I hope you all are staying safe and stay tuned for another episode. Thank you.